Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's nice seeing everybody here today. You know, I, I, I so love the songs that we sing this time of year, don't you? They're just so worshipful, you know? You really feel like you're worshiping the Lord. I'm going to use a lapel uh, mic, Isaac, if you can hear me back there. I'm going to use the lapel mic. Thank you. I hope everybody had a good time with family. I know that I did. Very thankful that my dad, who had cancer this year, is was still with us this year, and he's doing great, and I loved spending time with him. He's getting up there in years, and he has a, uh, a defibrillator. He has a weak heart, and it went off this week, and it went off a few weeks ago, so I know I'm really blessed just to have him any time I can I have him uh, with us. So it's... And, uh, I don't know about you, but I so enjoy being with my brother and sister. And if you have your mom and dad still around, it's such a blessing to be with them. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a beautiful church. We have a beautiful church members. We have a beautiful message that we have in the Lord. And we're really, truly a blessed people, aren't we? If you don't mind, I'd like to just have a little quick prayer before we start our message. Dear Heavenly Father, just want to thank you so much, Lord, that we're in your house of worship. And Lord, truly, we are here to worship you in the spirit and in truth and in your word and in song. And we would ask that if there be any sins, Lord, anything at all that would keep your presence from being here, I ask that you would forgive us of our sins and uh, give us strong convictions and change us into your beautiful image. May you write your beautiful law upon our hearts and mind. That when you come back in the clouds of glory, we may be with you. Because truly, Lord, you're the only thing worth having in this world. And we love you and we thank you. Please be with me now as I present the message in which you have spoken to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. I like to do is take this opportunity today. I was trying to decide what I should speak about. And I just thought, you know, it's such a great season, this is, because we get to focus on the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know last week it was busy. We had communion, which was beautiful. And I just thought, let's extend it just one more Sabbath, shall we? So I just thought we would tell a story. And it's actually a love story. If you think about it, the gospel is a love story. And it actually is the greatest love story that was ever told, hands down. And I thought maybe we would just go over some of that today. And I think, hope it will bless you, because it blesses me when I just think about it. When I just think about what God has done. When you think about it in the very beginning, when God created this world, how beautiful it was. This beautiful, light blue planet with the beautiful blue waters was a perfect world. It was a great world. It was perfect. And God says it was not only good, but it was very good. And he created Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth, and it was a perfect world. Just think about that. No sin, no death, no sickness. Man was perfect. He had an unfallen nature, and he was made in the very image of God himself. God's law was written upon his heart and mind, and Adam and Eve didn't even know what sin was, had no knowledge of it. What a beautiful world that was. The animals were all in harmony with each other. They weren't attacking each other. There was no killing. The Bible tells us that the animals ate of the vegetables. They ate grasses, and man ate vegetables and nuts. And the plants had to be so beautiful, no thorns. There was no such thing as thorns back then, or poisonous plants. 
No hurricanes, no wildfires, no tsunamis, no tornadoes. In fact, there was no winter back then. In fact, the world was like a terrarium, and it was one even temperature all the way around it. A beautiful world, unmarred by sin. Nothing but pure joy and happiness. Because that's the way our loving God had intended it for us. But sadly, the Bible tells us during that time, things weren't so well going on in heaven, which seems very contrary to what you think when you think of heaven. But when you think of what was going on in heaven, the Bible says that there was a war in heaven. Can you imagine that? A war in heaven? That Lucifer, one of the wisest and smartest, most beautiful angels that God ever created, actually stood up against God and rebelled against his creator. And we already had a couple sermons on that, so I won't go into detail on that, but you know that he wanted to be God. And he attacked God through his law, because he knew when he attacked God's law, he was attacking God, because the law is nothing more than a transcript of God's very character. And he actually convinced one-third of the angels, think about that, one-third. I wonder how many angels there are. The Bible talks, there's a passage where there's 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 angels. One-third of the angels joined Satan's rebellion against God. And as a result, there was a war in heaven, and so God cast Satan, Lucifer, and the fallen angels down to this planet. And sure you know that Lucifer and the fallen angels hated God. And I'm sure when they saw Adam and Eve and they saw the image of God written upon their hearts and mind, they must hated them because they saw God reflected in them. They were sinless, pure, and holy. And so Satan sought, and he wanted to be, he, he knew he was not going to be a god of the universe, but maybe, just maybe, he could be god of this planet. So he sought his sights against God's beautiful children to corrupt them. And you know the story that Lucifer actually used the medium of a snake and deceived Eve. And then Satan used Eve to cause the fall of Adam. And Adam and Eve, who once had an unfallen nature, unfallen nature, now have a fallen nature. How sad. How pitiful. And this, it not only changed man, man no longer now reflected God's image and his character. In the beginning, God and angels talked with each other just like we talk with each other. But now because of sin, God, and, God could no longer talk with man. Because God and sin can't go together. And wherever sin is, God is what? A consuming fire, right? So God could not no longer if you will, walk with man, because that would be man would have been destroyed. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that you, whoever believe in him, should not be lost but have everlasting life. Amen. So God put in a plan in order to save Adam and Eve, the world. And just think about that. God so loved the world. The planet? No. God so loved you and us. And as a result of sin, we know what sin is. The Bible says sin is transgression of the law. Right? And any man that sins shall die, right? Because the wages of sin is death. 
Is this a temporary death or eternal death? It's the eternal death. So man became lost. And the Bible tells us that in Adam, all die. And even if we didn't sin, which we all did sin, because the Bible is clear that all have sinned, but even if we didn't sin, we still would die because in Adam, all die. Because Adam could not pass on immortality because he didn't possess it. He could only pass on what he has, which was a fallen nature. So God, from the very beginning, put in a plan because he loved us to save us. And as you know, that God's plan, he had, there was a little bit of a, something to think about in the beginning because here man has sinned, he broke God's law, and the wages of sin is death. And yet God wanted to save man, but he couldn't change his law because to change his law would be to change his own character. It would be to change God. I mean, which law would you do away with? Thou shalt not kill? Can't do away with that one. How about stealing? Can we do away with thou shalt not steal? You can't do it. You see, you can't do away with the law. So what was God going to do? So God had put in a plan from the foundation of the earth because God foreknew that man was going to fall. God knows the end from the beginning. And so from the very beginning, God had put in a plan that when man falls, because he knew he was, he saw things that were going to happen. He put in a plan that his son would become flesh. He would become one of the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. He would take on flesh and blood so he can take our sins and shed his blood, pay the price for our sins so we can stand before God innocently as if we never sinned. Amen? Amen. Man, that's a loving God. That is truly the greatest love story ever told, period, in this world. And when you think about that, some people say, well, you know, God really had to do something because if God would have just wiped man out in this planet, and think about that, in all of God's unfallen universe, there was this little planet that had all the unfallen angels, Lucifer, and now fallen man on it. If God wanted to, he could have just blotted that out and started all over, right? And maybe people, some people might think maybe God should have done that. But he didn't. He didn't. And we know why, because inspiration is very clearly that if God would have did that, the unfallen worlds would have worshipped God out of what? Fear, right? And God didn't want people to worship him out of fear, and they didn't truly understand the the the, uh, the malignity or the how bad sin was. So God decided that he was going to let sin continue in this planet so all the unfallen worlds and the unfallen angels could see what sin would cause. Take a look around, because we're living in a world of sin. Just think about that. I mean, if we just, just, just go over some of the disgusting things that happen to little children in this world, that you can't hardly have a package delivered to your front porch today without it being stolen. It seems like thievery is nothing anymore to people. There's no conscience. Their consciences are seared. They're becoming very ungodly. And in the world, the hurricanes and the disaster and poisonous plants and animals eating people. And it just seems like everything's gone crazy. And if you think about it, it's a lot deeper than God just wanted them to see, the unfallen universe to see that, what the result of sin was. And I'm sure the whole unfallen universe to this day can see and say, oh man, well we see what sin would have caused now. 
And you see what happened if sin would have became on their fallen planet, or if sin was allowed to continue in heaven, take a look around, because what you see here would be there. And so really, if you think about it, if God wanted to, okay, he made his case clear what the case of sin would do to all the unfallen worlds. And God, if he wanted to, okay, okay, I've made it clear now. Now I can just blot everything out. But he didn't. Why? Because he loves us. The greatest love story ever told. And from the very beginning... Right after Adam and Eve sinned, we are told through inspiration that they didn't wear clothing like we wore, but they wore a clothing of light. And just imagine that, a clothing of light. Really light, doesn't pinch you, doesn't scratch you. Think about it, it's kind of nice, isn't it? Doesn't need washing. Must be really, must have been beautiful. But when they sinned, they lost it. And they were found naked. And naked in the Bible always represents a person who doesn't have the righteousness of Christ. Because the Bible tells us that in the last day church in which the era in which we live now, that the Laodicean church is both blind and what? Naked. Because they're blinded. They don't see that. They don't have Christ's robe of righteousness. They don't see that. They don't see that they're naked. And so right when Adam and Eve sinned and they lost their clothing and the light, right away God provided clothing for them, animal skins. And of course, we know that an animal would have had to have died for Adam and Eve to be clothed with animal skins. So the lesson was taught from the very beginning that an innocent animal who did no sin would have to die and cover their nakedness. And that's just a perfect representation of Christ's robe of righteousness. Amen? Amen. So the sacrificial system started from the very beginning of this earth's history. It didn't start in the sanctuary. No, it started in the very beginning. In fact, when Adam and Eve had their first child, they knew that a Messiah was to come. In fact, they thought that Cain would have been the Messiah, but of course they were wrong. But even in the story of Cain and Abel, there was a sacrificial system set up. And you all know the story, how Cain sacrificed vegetables from his garden. It was unacceptable to God. But Abel sacrificed an animal sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. So you can see the sacrificial system was instituted from the right from the beginning that somebody innocent was going to have to die for their sins. Amen? Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not die, but have everlasting life. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to bring God and man back together again. And we know it as the atonement, right? Christ was coming to us earth to make atonement. And when you break down that word, it's a very beautiful word. It means at one minute. God was to bring at one minute between God and man once again. Praise be to God. And I love, uh, I love this statement. Well, before I get there, let me just say this, that as time moved forward, of course, God couldn't speak to man directly, so he spoke through the prophets of old. And then slowly by slowly, the Lord was revealing more and more truths of the Messiah that was to come. And we're told that in Isaiah chapter 7, and verse 14, 
It reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course we know Emmanuel means what? God with us. So it was revealed in the scriptures that God was going to be the lamb, and he was going to come and die for our sins. It's amazing just to even think about it. And I love this statement in the Bible. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. you got John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16. Worth remembering. And I love this. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body. I mean, just can you take that in? God became flesh to die for us. Truly, you know, you can... This is a translation, but you, you know, God is great. How great is He? He is so great that He appeared in a body to save you and me. And I just think that's the most amazing, most beautiful thing in the world. When I think about what God was willing to do in order to save you and me. And I really believe that whenever you choose to think about this subject, whether it be during this holiday season or any time that you think about it, it's well worth reading the story in the Bible. And because it's so beautiful and just in its simplicity by itself. So I thought today I would take the time to read just a little, read it to you. And if you'd like, you can follow along. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. But I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And if you'd like, you can follow along. Luke chapter 1, 26. I'll give you a minute to be there. I love Love reading this. It's so beautiful when you think of what God was willing to do to save you and me because truly he saw you and me in Adam. And starting in verse 26, it says this, that in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and thought in her mind what manner of visitation, if you will, this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And the name Jesus actually means Savior. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto thee him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall these things be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived thee a son in her old age. And this is, and this, and I'm sorry, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now we know Mary was conceived with John the Baptist, right? For those who may not know that, that's who where John the Baptist came from, Elizabeth. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed her. 
And then I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. And I'll give you a minute to get there. And you want to stay in with Luke and Matthew. Keep your hand in Luke. Matthew 1 and verse 18. This is so beautiful. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, if you will, goes like this. I still hear pages turning. I'm going to wait. Matthew 1.18. I, I cheat. I have everything on my computer. Okay, Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, if you will, I said, it goes like this. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him Mary his wife. Now we're going to go back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. I'll give you a minute to get there. Luke 2 and verse 1, those who would like to follow along. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was made first when, uh, when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one unto his own city. And Joseph also went up unto Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the lineage of David. And Joseph went there to be taxed with Mary his wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped in swallowing clothes, and laid in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were very afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just to the Jews. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there were angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, and goodwill to men. Because truly God has wished goodwill for us. And it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see the thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And when they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger... And when they had seen it, 
They made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What did she ponder in her heart? She pondered that a Savior this day in the, in the, for unto this day is born in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And she pondered them in her heart. And so Christ was born, as you know. And as you can imagine how Mary must have been just shocked that all of a sudden, you know, there's shepherds showing up and telling the story of these. You wouldn't believe, Mary, there was these angels that came and they told us all that was going to happen. And then there was, there was a choir of angels all singing glory to God in the highest and peace towards men and goodwill. And then all of a sudden, three wise men throw up, show up, three kings, three wise men, and they hand her gold and frankincense and myrrh. And she just had been really just been in all of all this. And of course, the gold represents is something that you would give to a king because truly, Jesus was the king of the world. And he was given frankincense because Jesus is the high priest. Frankincense is a part of the priestly ministry. And he was given myrrh as well, which we know was for his burial because myrrh was often used as an incense that you would place over a body uh, for a burial. And of course, we know the rest of the story. We know that how Lucifer, from that moment on, tried to destroy Jesus Christ. And he did it through Herod. You know the story, right? And the Bible tells us in Revelation that the dragon stood before the woman and hoped to destroy the child as soon as it was born. Who was, who was Satan working through at that time? Herod. Trying to take away our salvation and try to destroy Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He tried to keep it from happening. But God, in his knowledge and his love, was always one step ahead of Satan. And he had Mary and Joseph flee out of Bethlehem to Egypt. And you know the rest of the story. And it's beautiful. And then, of course, Jesus grew. And when it was time for him to become the Lamb of God, he did it willingly. Died. And Satan tried everything that he could to stop Christ from going forward and paying the sacrifice to set you and me free. And so because of that, Christ went through the most cruel things ever to try to keep him from going forward. He was beaten miserably, whipped so bad that the Bible said that he can see his rib cage. That's what the Bible says. He was, of course, as you know, he wore a crown of thorns and they mocked him. I mean, they did everything. Satan tried everything he could to discourage Christ. And Christ said at any time, I could call down 10,000 legions at any time if I wanted you to stop it. But he didn't. You know why? Because he loved us. He loves us. And even when it came to the crucifixion, what a cruel way to die. It was meant to cause the most agony and pain that a human being could possibly endure before they would die. They would just be up there just breathing in the most horrendous pain ever. And Jesus knew it. But the Bible says that as the lamb went to the shear his dumb, he opened not his mouth. In other words, he kept quiet. He, he willingly, he was a willing sacrifice for you and me. Amen. And because of what Christ did, there's a statement. If I can get it here. 
I read it, I mentioned it in the beginning. I love this statement because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen? Amen? But there's a mandate here, brothers and sisters, don't miss it. You've got to be in Christ. There's a mandate. And uh, Jesus says this, if a man, this is found in John 15 and verse 4, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And why does Christ want us to abide in him? Because he wants us to take on his fruits, his character, his spirit once again. Amen? Amen. And that's the reason why we need to abide in Christ so that we become, can, if you will, take on the image of God once again. That's full salvation. A full circle. There is a tree of life in the beginning. As you guys were talking about in Sabbath school, when you read Revelation, there's a tree of life again. And hopefully all of us are going to be there. Isn't this a great story? I mean, can you think of a better story? I mean, this is a true story. God, the one who we worship, came to die to save you and me, that we may live with him for eternity. And I hope in... 2019 and for the rest of your life that we never forget that we need to abide in Christ. Look all that he did. Why wouldn't we want to do that? There's only one more thing worth taking out of this world and that's Christ. I used to have a little placard on my desk in another job that I had and this placard said, Christ is life and the rest is details. (laughs) Ain't it right? That says it all. May God bless you.